Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets. I'm meteorologist Ed Russo, and we've got... Meteorologist Steve Knight. Good to be with you, Ed. Hey, nice to be with you, Steve. And we just got word that we're going to go another two months here without most likely seeing each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, It looks like uh, our return to the uh, studio will be pushed back until... uh, Right now, it's looking like uh, early September at best, so we shall see. Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a wait and see operation. You know, I, I applaud I applaud the company. It's been pretty proactive in, in everything we've been trying to do. Yeah, and I, you and I may distance. have talked about this in an earlier podcast, but some folks may not realize that uh, we work for a company that owns television stations literally all across the country. Yeah, 160, and, 170. Yeah, yeah, it's like 170 plus. Yeah, and so they're. You know, they've got to make, you know, corporate wide decisions that are kind of based on not only the landscape here in central Pennsylvania, but the landscape across the country. And as you and I both know, as we sit here on this 23rd day of July in the year 2020, mm-hmm. the landscape across the country ain't that good. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, but, hey, you know, by and large, you and I can both attest to this. I mean, for the most part. Uh, working from home is a little bit of a drag at times, but uh, it's working. It is working. It is working. Yeah. You know, it's um, to think that, it, and it's amazing because, you know, whenever you create a new product in TV, like a new way of doing something, a new workflow, it takes a long time to implement. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're changing the studio, renovating the studio, when you're changing how the news is produced, It's not just, you know, oh, let's just change this today. I mean, it's a very, very long, intensive process because it's just filled with so much dotting your I's and crossing your T's. So, you know, for one, you know, back in March when it was, we thought everything was just going to be normal other than we had this super contagious virus floating around the country. We had no idea that in a week the whole workflow would change. Right. I mean, TV, when the logistics behind how TV is done, how news is done, when the logistics change, it takes an incredibly long time yeah. to implement yeah. the change. And this would happen in a couple days. Yeah. And it's like, for the most part, it's been pretty seamless. It really has. You know, there's there's a glitch here and there, but, you know, there's glitches. It's live television. There's always glitches Yeah, you have glitches when we do it the normal way. Right, you know? exactly. So, you know, by and large, you know, I think it's uh, it's actually gone uh, fairly well, which is, I think, another part of the reasoning why, uh, you know, our parent company is saying, hey, look, you know, we've been able to kind of hold serve and uh, and get the news on across the country and all of our various uh, town, cities, markets. And um, there's no reason to shove a square peg into a round hole right now and bring everybody back. Sure. So, and, and, you know, the, we've learned, you know, some some of the plus sides to it, too. And that is, uh, you know, a lot of times we have a morning meeting, which everybody gets together in the same room. Of course, that hasn't happened yeah. since March. So a lot of the, you know, our reporters that have been doing stories, they're already at the scene or where they're yeah. covering the story at yeah. the time they originally were at the meeting in the building. So the whole workflow right. seems to be much, much faster. So we're learning some really, you know, interesting things that, that make make it a smoother, more efficient um, way of, of getting the product out there. Well, and I was thinking about this the other day, um, looking looking long-term here, and, and the way that we do things now, as you said, we, we would always have a morning meeting, we'd have afternoon meetings, and we would all get into a conference room, closed doors, 
Um, we'd all sit around a big conference table, uh, generally anywhere from eight to sometimes 20 people in this conference room twice a day. And it's always a running joke in, in our business. Well, like any other business, when people work in confined spaces, the winter months, how it's just a con somebody's always coughing, sneezing, sniffling. Um, the, the, the illness seems to just trickle through the newsroom. There's always at least two or three people that have called out sick in any given week during the winter months. Why are we getting together in these conference rooms? Why aren't we social distancing, even under normal circ, even under just winter time? Because people are sick. There's no reason we can't all see each other, talk to each other, and sit at our desks. Right. That's a great point. So, you know, if we, you know, once this whole virus calms down and, and yeah. things go back to normal in terms of how vicious the flu season and the virus season yeah. are, right. um, if we just continue keeping our distance, especially during the winter months when we yeah. often get sick, we might yeah. actually see people get sick less. Yeah. I, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> So, so it's it's nothing the you know the whole virus has forced us to do it this way that there was yeah. there was nothing to really push us in that direction but now we've been forced and now we're realizing okay maybe this yeah. is I mean it's interesting it's kind of fascinating if you think about it it's not all bad No and that's going to happen everywhere that I think that's yeah. going to happen universally across business this whole idea of you know have, having to get together and sit down for face to face meetings and when you look at at businesses that uh, rely a lot on, you know, national or even international travel, um, you know, got to got to fly to Akron, Ohio, to uh, have a meeting with another guy about, you know, a sales proposal. Well, do you really have to? Right. Do you, and, you really and have I, to I, buy that airline ticket? Expense a hotel room? Right. Expense meals? Right. Yeah. You know, I think I think there's still going to be probably some need for it. You know, especially when there's like a major pitch or a major, you know, something major going on. But I, I yeah. think. When everybody's kind of in that cost-cutting, saving mode, oh, yeah. they're going to try to do things that um, save money but also keep the product flowing. Yeah. Well, if you look at like any kind of a big business that does have a lot of travel involved, and you know, the X was their budget before COVID, and they yeah. saved all this money on travel, do you really think all of a sudden they're going to go, okay, we're just putting the travel budget right back where it was? Or they're going to go, you know what? We seem to function okay. Right. Right. Without no, flying our sales reps all over the country. Yeah. And expensing meals and hotels. I, if I was the CEO of uh, a major airline in this country, I'd be a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Even after COVID. I'd be, yes, I'd know. be nervous if I was in commercial real estate. Very. Yeah. Um, I got to yeah, say, yeah. though, you know, what, what, when it comes to, you know, interviewing people, there is something about the person being there physically because 94 percent of our body of our language isn't really spoken it's body language yeah, yeah. And, and you can read so much of how somebody really feels just by when you ask them a question they start to scratch the top of their leg it's like well right. are they are they yeah. hiding something you know so right. there's so much you can get out of body language and i feel like over yeah. a zoom call good point all the little intricacies and signs that you can look Good for point. in a candidate's no, body language. Nothing really ever beats face-to-face, -face. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how all of that um, evolves. So let's talk tropics. Yeah, getting very active. We're already having a record-setting season. We're, I think, so G. Gonzalez, right? Gonzalo, yes. Gonzalo, yeah. Yes. Um, he, uh, that, that's the earliest we've reached G, right? This is the earliest, you know, I got a little factoid for you here, Ed. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, 
I'm there nervous since I since I got the name wrong. Right, exactly. Yes, Gonzalo, not Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, this is the earliest that a storm has received a name starting with the letter G since the United States began using name storm system in 1953. Get, now, this is the one that will blow, blow your mind. On average, the seventh named storm, or G storm, in a season is on September 16th. I was going to say September Wow. But that's the day, yeah. Past Wow. Yeah, and, and, and by September 16th, we're already past peak, which is September 10th, 11th. Yeah. 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 So. And previous record for the earliest seventh named storm formation in the Atlantic was Gert, July 24th, during the busiest hurricane season on record, 2005. So... As we often talk about in these podcasts, just because one thing happens weather-wise, it doesn't mean you know that, that the exact same dominoes are going to fall. Sure. However, you and I both know that probably by Saturday, uh, we're going to have Hannah in the Gulf of Mexico um, as a tropical storm. And, <laughs> you know, how appropriate here in 2020 that we are looking at a really active, active Hurricane season. Par for the course, right? Just what yeah. Just what we need. Of course I'm yeah. being sarcastic, but Yeah. Yeah, and Hannah, uh I ran some models on Hannah just out of my own curiosity this morning. And um it looks doable for Texas. It right now it looks like Hannah is gonna hit the Texas Gulf Coast. And I mean the southern tip, like even south of Corpus Christi, and then go into Mexico. So we're talking far south. Texas along the Gulf Coast and that area could use some rain now I only know that because I did some research this morning I just because I was "Ah, let me had some time in between weather hits right let me look and see how much rain Texas South Texas has gotten Um, and they actually could use some rain and right now it looks like they're going to be in the three to five inch range um, if, if models hold right so I think they would be able to get like we're not looking at a Houston situation uh, from a couple of years back yeah, Harvey, with Harvey. I believe yeah. it was, right? Yeah. Yeah, which was like, whatever, 36 inches of rain. Um, I, I don't think we're looking at that, but, you know, those folks are going to get a lot of rain, probably too much in a short amount of time that will lead to a lot of flash flooding. But uh, because they've been dry, you can handle three to five when you've been dry. Yeah, and, you know, tropical systems are, you know, it, it, we, we always view these as, you know, bad systems that we wish didn't exist, but they're incredibly important in correcting drought. Yes. I mean, you could completely wipe out drought. You could fill out reservoirs that are low. Right. And, you know, replenish, you know, areas that have been so dry. So they can really correct, you know, something that's been an issue long term. So it's not, this stuff is not all bad. But anytime you get rain like that, you always get some flooding. Oh, yeah. There's going to be flash flooding. And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be runoff everywhere. And sure. it's not all, all good, but it, it also. Uh, in terms of their down-the-road future, in terms of just needing groundwater and, and needing reservoirs filled and that type of thing, it could actually turn out to be a, an okay thing for them sure. and, and not too terribly damaging. Right now, it's it's looking like, you know, winds of, you know, 50 miles per hour gusts to 70. You know, there again, are you going to have some trees taken down? Sure. Are you going to have some, you know, some damage? Yes. But we're not talking like catastrophic damage. No catastrophic storm surge, anything along those lines. If people are actually safe, 
uh, you know, they should be able to get through it yeah. without really any loss of life. I mean, if people just, you know, we're supposed to be sheltering in place anyway. Right. They certainly should be sheltering in place in Texas mm-hmm. already. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, with all the, with the major numbers down there. Yeah, you could ride out a tropical storm if you stay in your house. Sure. And just, you know, yeah, you, you, without any problems whatsoever. But I guess, the, you know, the kind of the, the concern here is, you know, typically we're seeing, like, now not in terms of hurricanes because— We've seen mostly tropical storms, if not with all of them have been tropical storms. If I'm yeah, we have yet to have one get to a, a to hurricane strength. That's going to change likely with Gonzalo by Friday the twenty fourth of sure. July. I tomorrow I think Gonzalo's up over some really really uh, warm water. You know, and, and the forecast projections are a category one by tomorrow. Right, and and the thing is, you know, when you have typical activity on par with peak of hurricane season in July, you know, it's concerning. Because, you know, we still have August, we still have yeah. September, sea surface temperatures. Uh, even though the summer solstice is in June, we don't see our warmest water because there's a lag time because it takes a lot of energy to heat up water. So we don't typically see our warmest sea surface temperatures until August and September. Right. So, you know, we still have the two most active months ahead and, and we're practically at storm H here. Which I'm sure yeah, like you, you brought up the name. point about you know not having them at least you know become hurricanes. 2005, uh, by the time they got to the seventh named storm, already had three hurricanes, and two of those were major hurricanes, Dennis and Emily, mm-hmm. and that happened by July 21st. So that was back in 2005, which was the most active season. So let's hope that that's uh, something that works in our favor here in 2020 in that, yes, we are, as, we're even more active than 2005, but the storms haven't been as big. Right. And, you know, powerful. Yeah. And I think part of the, I think it probably would have been more act, even more active had we not had that Saharan dust cloud traverse the Atlantic from last month. Remember that? Yes. You know, I never even gave that any inkling of consideration, but that is interesting. That's a good theory yet. I like it. Yeah. I and, like it. And if you get another one of those clouds, that's probably that, that, that literally shuts down. So it's aerosols, it, you know, aerosols in the atmosphere yes. have this drying effect, which you can't get good organized thunderstorms, which hurricanes build from when you right. have aerosols, you know, which are in the dust cloud across the yeah. Atlantic. So it literally shuts it down. I mean, it's just right. completely and utterly hostile environment for these. Good theory. Happen. I like it. So yeah, we'll see uh, if there's another one of those that, that gets generated, but it, that's obviously gone. And now we're seeing the activity yeah. pick up again. All right. Well, uh, speaking of 2020 and, uh, you know, here closer to home heat. Yes. Heat has been the big story. July. Wow. Uh, we are trending right now toward the hottest July on record, which would actually break 1999. Uh, And I remember the summer of 99 very, very well. And it was extremely hot through the month of July. What was a little bit different about 99 was um, I do remember us setting uh, more than one daily record. You know, that we, we, we had days where... If I recall, we went like 99, 100, 101, 102, 100, you know. So we had some days during the month where it was only in the mid-80s. What's been interesting about this month is we have yet to break any daily records. Even when we got to 100, uh, we didn't break the daily record. We have yet to break any daily records, but it's been the consistency of, you know, we have done 90 now 
Oh, it's something ridiculous. Like, well, it's 18 times this year going on 19 here today. Um, but here in July, I mean, it's like 80% of the days so far, we've been 90 or better. Yeah. And, and we're, we're talking about another whole month here, August, that can be very hot. And I think we're going to definitely be above. Yeah. We averaged 21. Average. Yeah. 21 days of 90 plus a year. And uh, we're at 18 and counting. And uh, it's looking easily mid 90s, like Sunday, Monday of next week. So even if that doesn't pan out, then we'd be talking about 90, 91. Um, what I'm seeing into the start of August, when I say the start, I mean like the first week of August, mm -hmm. I do see things maybe falling back to where we were a little bit more consistent with something along the lines of like 85 to 88, you know, so maybe not the nineties, but that doesn't mean that we couldn't get a week in the middle of August where we do 90 for seven straight days. Right. Or even you know. September. Or even have. September. That's a really good point you make because, um, I think it's a lot of times people forget. It's almost like they kind of forget that it takes a while for, for spring to get sprung around here. Uh, they also, I think, sometimes tend to forget, you know, how warm we can be. And not even in September, but we've done 90 in October, mm -hmm. and it wasn't that long ago, yeah. <laughs> you know. Right, so we got uh, a lot I want to say it was like 20, 2016 or something. We had a we hit 90 in October, so. Yeah. So we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, I, it's par for the course if it becomes another record-breaking year in terms of the number of 90-degree days. Yeah. I would, I would there, there was one more thing I wanted to touch on with uh, – with heat. And, um, this is something we had talked a lot about in the podcast, uh, back in the, back in the salad days of, of March and April. And what, you know, this whole theory of sunlight, heat, and the virus, um, I would have to say, you know, very, my very own unscientific opinion, but looking at the fact that much of the country and, other areas of the world, like Brazil, that are seeing a big spike in cases. Um, so much for the theory that summertime and UV was going to kill the virus. I mean, there were people that were saying that. Once we get to summer, it's just going to be gone. Right. And, and I'm talking about scientific people, doctors, yeah. scientists, saying this thing hates the sun, it hates UV, and when we get to summer, we're going to see a huge reduction in cases, but be prepared for it to reemerge in the fall. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, and now, and now we've, we've seen that resurgence come during like the hottest it's two weeks. Surging of the year. during the hottest time of the year on average yeah. in this country. Well, you know, I, I also wonder too if the information they had back then was correct, but did the virus mutate or something like that? I, well, I, the other theory that I, you know, and again, I'm not a scientist when it comes to this kind of stuff, but the other theory I had was there's also the, the, the flip side to that is more people just want to be outside. More people just want to go to the beach. They want to go to the pool. There's far more temptation this time of year to just throw caution to the and wind. And we've seen people in large, yeah, we've seen people in large yeah. gatherings, you know, parties, Fourth of July yeah. especially. And there was one video in in my old station in in South Bend, Indiana. There was a, a Diamond Lake in uh, Michigan, just packed shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, so many people and. That a lot of that was going on, and shortly after that, you know, we saw some more, some more spikes. Yeah, it, it leads me to wonder that if we if we get into because let's face it, you know, outdoor stuff other than you know attending a college football game or you know some outdoor stuff, people getting together, picnics, whatnot, 
greatly reduced day at the lake greatly reduced like you know december january february um you know if if bars are for the most if you're still not pretty much supposed to be you know sitting at a bar and restaurant capacity right. is still like 25 percent. could we actually see a downturn in the winter because of the fact that people are staying inside because for a good part of the country it's pretty crappy outside yeah that's gonna be it'll be very interesting to see how the whole peaks of this current pandemic roll out over the course of a year with respect to the seasons where we always think oh it's going to go up in the fall and it's going to go down in the summer and it's almost been like a complete opposite of what we originally thought yeah and but you know uh, there's a lot of viruses you know that you know the heat and the sun don't kill it i mean look at the ebola virus Right, which originates, you know, it seems, you know, most of the outbreaks that occur are in Africa, right along the equator, where you have some very hot temperatures year round. Yeah. No, good point. Good point. So, you know, like everything else with this virus, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. Yeah. Well, I was was doing a, so I do these doc talks, and I was Mm -hmm. learning something recently that one of the, uh, one of the key ways now I'm trying to you know regurgitate what what I was told by the doctors yeah right um, but it was very interesting when I was hearing it so I'm hoping I can re-explain it as I heard it um, but the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to we all know the coronavirus is this spherical thing with the spikes yes and what they're trying to do is with the vaccine they're making the spikes inactive meaning they can't penetrate cells. Okay. So that's how they're going. So they're going to expose the, so through the vaccine, as I understand it, which has the COVID-19 virus in it, but the the virus that's in the vaccine is not going to contain spikes that penetrate cells. The spikes, I guess, will still be there, but they're not going to penetrate cells. They'll be inactive in a sense but the body will be able to recognize it. So when it does actually contract the virus where the spikes are active, um, it will kill it. Right. It just, yeah, you, you using your own immune system. Right. So they're using the protein spikes of the virus to uh, try and, and create this, this vaccine. So I just, I tell you what, man, it's fascinating. Cause like viruses are so small and yeah. And, and I know this thing was only, you know, hatched last November-ish, I guess. Um, yeah. But it's amazing that, you know, uh, all of this money and all of these brilliant minds are that are working on this thing. And, you know, did you ever did you ever think, <laughs> you know? No. And here we sit without a vaccine. I guess there's some, some promising trials that are going on. All we could do is cross our fingers. But when, when something like this comes along and, and, and baffles the entire world, and, and the technology that we have in this civilized world that we have come to find out we're not as tech, you know, we're not as techy as we thought we were. We're not as advanced as we thought we were because we can be crippled by a virus like this, just like they were crippled by a virus, uh, you know, back in 1919. Right. You know, you know and- just goes to show you just, just when we start getting real cocky thinking that, well, we kind of got this whole world thing figured out. <laughs> I, I know it's amazing how something so incredibly small, much smaller than bacteria or, Right. Anything can it just shows you how vulnerable yeah. we are despite our intelligence, despite our technology. Yeah. There are these just little things that always got to keep us humble. Well, there'll be a lot of lessons, I think, that'll be learned and taken away from this whole experience down the road. No yeah. question. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's hard explaining it to you know really young kids because when you're five years old, right? You know, it's like okay, I've only been on the earth for five years, right? You know, it's is this the way it is? Yeah, right. But for us, for people who have been, you know, are in their forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties who have never yeah. seen something like this, it's yeah. much it's more profound. Yeah. 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 Weird to think about. So. Yeah, per. All right. Well, we got a lot covered there, Steve. Thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. Always uh, a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, as we always say when we do these, uh, hopefully we're doing it again together in a studio sometime soon. Some, yeah, we at this point, I think we were hoping to have a camera feed yeah. of the podcast inside right one of our... yeah we were going to do it on camera you know at the station and everybody could kind of see us as we did it and and did it well you know we'll, we'll get there we'll get yeah. there there there's a lot of things that we were supposed to be doing by now yeah, we, we had there's a lot a, of plans. there's a lot of things that our viewers and <laughs> listeners were supposed to be doing right now yes that aren't yes so all right steve good chatting stay cool and well. uh we'll talk next week Sounds good. Okay. You're listening to It's Raining Mets.